Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Why Press Play. This time we're talking about the Bruce Willis, Damon Wayans uh, classic movie from 1991, The Last Boy Scout. In my opinion, better than Die Hard. You can send your complaints to info at whypressplay.com on that one. Uh, Joining me in the studio, I have comedian, filmmaker, single father, beard fashioner, and uh, general all around nice guy Gary White welcome to the studio Gary Cheers. thanks Gordo thanks for having me how on. are you man it's been a long while it's been quite a while yeah delighted when I heard that you started up a film podcast I, I knew straight away that I had to had to get involved so. yeah you were on me like flies around shite yeah I was exactly yeah uh, you are a movie nerd I, I'm a I'm a nerd all around uh, but movies yeah particularly are my, my my thing if anyone was to ask me say at your funeral it's like what was your greatest uh, memory of Gary I'd be like on stage with a black jacket looking like a prequel to Dylan Moran wearing a Star Wars t-shirt yeah but today it's Game of Thrones uh, but yeah yeah that's generally my life is uh, uh, I don't even buy my own clothes anymore people just buy me nerdy t-shirts and that's Star Wars yeah, yeah Star Wars stuff I could yeah I mean I don't even like Star Wars that much I'd like I've <laughs> all this Star Wars stuff like people are just uh, generalizing yeah. How dare you? How dare you buy him thoughtful gifts? Yeah, yeah. How dare um, they think they know me? You you make films now, Gary. You you just finished college. You were uh, a comedian for years, uh, but a, like a media producer. Yeah, yeah. I I I've gotten into producing and directing um, short films for the minute. I I'm concentrating on short docs, but uh, hopefully, when I when I grind my teeth on that, it'll be uh, going into fiction, and that that's the dream anyway. I've seen your. Uh, you have a short. Uh, documentary film on I think it was on Vimeo you sent it to me about uh, being a single father yeah I said you, the private link yet the yeah. Vimeo private link oh shit was I not supposed to share that uh, did you share it <laughs> no. oh Jesus um, so that was, your, that was your college assignment was it that was uh, I did it as part of college but cool. um, I felt it was strong enough then to as, to be a sort of a launch part for my career so I, I I invested a lot of money into sending off to festivals and stuff like that cool and it was about it was about the the plight of the single father in Ireland. Yeah, it just, the legislation leans against the rights of the man, and yeah, yeah it's just about like uh, I always felt that um, men had it easier than in women in society, and then this happened to me. I, I got brought to court over um, guardianship access and maintenance rights mm. over my daughter, and for two years, my, that became my life. Mm. So then the film not a fun two years. A lot, uh, oh, great fun, great crack. <laughs> Um, so for so then this film became one part about me getting closure on, on 
what I feel is the reason I've got like um, depression, anxiety problems today. And then also to promote this idea that we need change in the world. Sure. And, we need to- and it's not like a fucking, uh, you know, a book banging like men's rights. It's like you're it's- you're a self-professed feminist. You're you're an equalitist, let's yeah, say. Yeah, an equalitist. Yeah, 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 I am the same. And um, uh, so, yeah, it's about like I, I felt I couldn't. I, I, f- I had to make a film for yeah. college and I found it then I couldn't write. So documentary became my go to and I just came with through this idea out there and everyone was like, that's fucking brilliant. Well, the best documentaries are the stuff that no one else is saying, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's very few documentaries like that out there. I mean, the only other, the closest, there's an Argentinian one whose name is in Spanish and I can't remember. I, I did watch it though. Uh, it was very similar. And then the only other similar one would have been Steam. Of, did you ever hear of Steam of Life? No. It's a Finnish documentary where they interview men in bathhouses. The they saunas, yeah. They the love saunas, saunas yeah. in Finland, yeah. Yeah, so they just interview men in their own comfortable environment in there and just talk about life problems with, that these men have gone through. It's so much easier for a man to talk about his problems when his balls are moist. <laughs> yeah, obviously, yeah. I've often found that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's where I do all my deep thinking. Is like, in, you want your balls nice and long yeah. and then, like, at like room like hotter Hot than room, room temperature, temperature yeah. yeah absolutely that was in stereo i love it <laughs> and so you also have a screening of uh, a film that's coming out in in the dunleary film festival so yeah right? it's this film where's dad um it's in the underground film festival at the end of august um it's on sunday the, i think it's the third of september and then five days earlier it's also screening in the little house cinema in Galway. Cool. So, so we, I'll put all the links then into the description of this show yeah. and you can have a go with that. We'll share it out on social for when it's happening. And uh, if you're in Ireland, in Dublin or indeed in Dunleary and you're going to be attending the, the film festival, fingers crossed, I'll have my thesis in by then so I'll be able to yeah, go along and yeah. we can, yeah. uh, you know, Also that week, I'm also, also hosting a Game of Thrones themed quiz uh, on the Monday. Um, so... That'll be fun, yeah, for any Game of Thrones fans out there. It'll be in Doyle's on whatever the Monday is. I think it's the 28th of August. So this is a Game of Thrones fundraising quiz? No, it's just a Game of Thrones quiz that, like... Without fundraising? Uh, yeah, no, it's not. It's just I, I was asked to host this thing. Oh, um, that's the nerd stuff again. Yeah, the nerd stuff. So any nerds out there, I'm sure you're into Game of Thrones if you're into media and film. Um, and if you're not, you're clearly a terrible person. <laughs> terrible nerd. Terrible, you're an awful nerd. The other N-word. So uh, for those of you that are joining us for the first time, this is Why Press Play. What we try and do here is uh, try and find the hidden gems and the movies that you may pass over in a Netflix queue before you, uh, you know, have have really, truly decided on whether you want to watch it or not. You're like, meh, I'll find something better. And we want you to spend uh, less time choosing and more time watching. So we're putting out these uh, these positive recommendations of possibly like not, great but like a little bit shitty films but like from the olden days and modern days too that may uh that may have passed over your just things that go under the radar exactly yeah yeah. and this last boy scout i i think is a bruce willis classic we will have loggerheads with with gary as the show goes on i do think it is amazing and it's like peak peak willis it's directed by tony scott and if you like this movie or you want to talk more about it with us uh, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and Reddit. It's all Y Press Play. So on Reddit, it's r slash Y Press Play. We also have ypressplay.com where you have all of the reviews, uh, videos, trailers, and then these shows as well that you can go in and listen to. We will have merchandise and stuff coming very soon. This is only episode four, so it should be uh, 
I, I think pretty soon. If you're listening to this in the future, hit the website up. Uh, it's probably going to be jam-packed with full of stuff. We also have a Discord server for the people who uh, want to get together and chat about movies with each other. Uh, Discord is an app that has a chat function, like text chat, but also an audio chat function where you can have like a couple of dozen people in a room all having a big mad laugh. Uh, and it's done through a Discord. Uh, you can do it through the website, uh, like a PC or desktop app. And there's also a brilliant uh, phone app and you can get in with the other White Press players. Uh, we also couldn't do the show without the kind, kind support of the people over at Patreon. Uh, so we have uh, Paul and Gord and Christine and uh, a whole bunch of others over there that are uh, letting me hold a dollar to help to produce this show. And uh, if you get over to patreon.com slash whitepressplay, you'll be able to get like videos from behind the scenes, you'll be able to get early access to episodes, you'll be able to even choose which episodes are going to be uh, coming up soon. Uh, and then we have loads of other stuff planned for White Press Play, including... Uh, uh, game releases uh, watch along movies we have saturday morning cartoons we're going to review a lot of the old saturday morning cartoons where we uh basically sit around in our gym jams and uh you all know, watch defenders of the earth or jason the wheel warriors and try and remember was it was it as good when we were young and we also have a a, a twitch channel where we play loads of computer games and you can play along with us or watch along at twitch.tv slash play and we play PS4 and Steam games. So if you're into PS4 or Steam, uh, let us have your tag and we can maybe play it together. There is also going to be live shows through Discord uh, and through Twitch and YouTube as well. So our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash play. Uh, we will be broadcasting those as we play them. Like if we're going to be, uh, I played Horizon Zero Dawn recently. I'm at the moment playing uh, The Last of Us. Uh, us and the Patreon guys have been playing Elder Scrolls Online uh, together in a group and all that stuff is all streamed on uh, Twitch and YouTube so get on to that and subscribe in your podcast player if you leave us an, a, a review of the show and, and see what you like if you like it iTunes seems to like that stuff you give us like however many stars you think we deserve and a little blurb uh, it kind of drives us up the up the charts and lets people know what to expect when they go into the show so without further ado let's get into talking about The Last Boy Scout Bruce Willis man this is a legendary film. Gary, you don't agree? No, I don't agree. Um, I, I I watched it for the. I watched it on your recommendation. I only watched it last night, so it's pretty fresh in my memory. And um, yeah, so it wasn't mad on. I have to say, I watched it last night. Uh, just specifically for this podcast to watch. I've, al- I've always well, heard you've of it. never seen the last boy scout. I- I'd heard of it because I'm I'm a bit of a Shane Black fan. Um, uh, that's what I thought. Like this yeah. is this is one of Shane Black's like lost gems. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think we were talking earlier about how how um, it was muddled from the original what Shane Shane Black had originally written, and uh, it got changed, chopped and changed, and re-edited and and rewritten loads of times, and it just became a mess, in my opinion. There was a lot of consternation about how it was made. It was directed yeah. by uh, Tony Scott and it was produced by Joel Silver. And there's well, a lot of. I wouldn't of... be a Tony Scott fan either. Okay, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of. Uh... I'm gonna get, probably get a lot of hate now. Yeah, for, I don't know for this about episode. hate, but there's a lot of consternation. We've already done a, a Shane Black written and a, a movie on the show already. The Monster Squad with Steve Elliott is one yeah, of the first episodes. Yeah, I've actually seen that one. now. He also did Last Action Hero. Uh, which is also another kind of a piss take of these action movies. You see, the last action hero, it's very clear. This it's one, it's on the nose. Yeah, this one, it's almost like Bruce Willis didn't realize it was a satire <laughs> and took it completely seriously. <laughs> yeah. And like, 
and it's like Damon it's like Damon Wayans he wasn't really a comedy actor at the time he tried to become an action star Jeez, I think I think he was skirting the, the borders between both like he yeah. is really funny in some of the parts in this like he seems like maybe like a Will Smith in Bad Boys type of irreverence yeah. to the to the craft you know yeah yeah no, so I, if you like Bad Boys you like Bad Boys I haven't seen Bad Boys in years I have to I'll have to it's, rewatch it oh, I haven't, Larry. like it's decent but, but Damon Wayans has that same kind of when I need to be serious I'm serious but if there's any chance to make like a funny quip I'm going to do it but he, he breaks out the character he doesn't do that gruff like yeah stick around like that kind of stuff he's all like pretending to be he has like some effemininities or he puts on a special voice or he does like some you know sexy stuff like a dance like mm, oh, pretend to be Prince and all <laughs> in the car like it's stuff that he doesn't mind looking foolish whereas yeah. an action star kind of has to keep that veneer of like super masculinity yeah. like you know you see my problem as well with the film is um is his girlfriend right is my main problem with is actually his character in the film because there's no reason for him to be this effeminate and jolly throughout the film and yeah. I'd still keep up the quips when he's had like a pretty traumatic time. Like he's addicted to cocaine. He's had his career taken away from him and his girlfriend has just died. But yet five minutes later, he's like, yeah, man, I got $650 pants. What up? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, pe- people could be happy despite. Despite, despite being like traumatized. Yeah. Do, I don't, do, would you not agree? Like, me, like a mental health stuff? Like yeah. Nah. Yes. If, if you're not. ever happy, wouldn't you hate if someone come up to you and go, what are you being so fucking happy about? <laughs> No? Yeah, probably. Look at all the shit things that happened to you in the last few years. What are you smiling about? Yeah, but I mean, like, if my girlfriend had just died five minutes beforehand and then, like, I'm in the police station and like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I got $650 pants. What about it? What we, what's our next play? What's our next play? Yeah, like, maybe it does like, seem a little bit irreverent. Yeah. Well, we're going to do this thing that we do with White Press Play. Uh, it's called the 60-second plots. I'm terrified of this. Yeah, so you have 60 <laughs> seconds. you got to fill it up. And you're going to give us the plot from start to finish of this I think, frankly, ridiculous film. <laughs> uh, but it is excellent and it's great crack. It's such good fun as an action movie. Yeah, it is, it is a great film if you want to just sit down, turn your brain off and just... There you go. Just want quips and, and explosions. Quips, actions and funny shit, man. Okay, so Gary's going to give us the uh, 60 second plots for last The Last Boy Scout from 1991. Are you ready? Okay, ready. Steady. Go. So Billy Blanks opens the film by shooting himself saying life ain't it a bitch or ain't life a bitch. Then we cut to a Bill Medley ridiculous song for the opening credits. Friday Night's a Great Night for Football. Oh my God, it's Brilliant. terrible. It just sums up the whole movie. Brilliant. Um, and then we got we got uh, Bruce Willis plays Joe Hollenbach. It was a down and out uh, private eye. Damon Wayans is Jimmy Dix, a, um, a former NFL star kicked out of the league for gambling. You're 30 seconds. And then his, uh, 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 Joe, Bruce Willis's character, Joe, he gets hired to protect uh, 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 Damon Wayne's girlfriend, Halle Berry. She gets killed. This sets them off. Why did she get killed? Turns out she was trying to blackmail the head of, a, head of a football team to get Damon Wayne's job back as a quarterback. And then some ridiculous shit happens and then shit blows up. The end. Is that it? <laughs> That's 60 seconds. Before we started the show, you were like, man, I can do that in fucking 12 I, seconds. I was going to say generic action movie with quips. That's yeah, it. No. Like, you missed a lot of stuff. 
I, there's a I, lot of stuff you missed like the, the, the I missed the whole character of Milo yeah the, the he's stuff the best with part, the daughter Shelly oh, the, the, yeah, yeah. the, the, the manager of the football team we're going to go through all this stuff now um, like the, their, the whole fact that like Joe Hallenbeck Bruce Willis's character's wife is cheating on him with his best friend and it sets a whole tone for the film that like his yeah. life is kind of shit and yeah. he's nothing to lose and the fact that he has nothing to lose like John McClane like a load of other different t- characters, uh, archetypes. Like uh, this guy is like nothing's more dangerous than man with nothing, with nothing to lose. Like Mel Gibson in in Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Like Shane Black loves writing those type of guys. Who's like, I I I've Which, not. Th- and that's my problem with the film is it's just so generic in that. I don't think so. I think I, it it does break know. the mold of that type. That's why it's my no, favorite. Of those. I, I don't no? think it does. No, I I, f- I felt anyway watching it that I've seen this film ten million times. Mm. but the only the only problem with it is it, it it reinforces this american ideology of you know you can't like the main plot of the film is about them trying to legalize gambling for, for american football so right. that they can make lots of money off it and in it they're saying i think the the main bad guy what was his name noble willingham uh shelly marcone yeah he's the he's shelly marcone yeah but noble Willingham's he's, the actor, yeah, yeah. he's the um he was the general in good morning vietnam oh yeah yeah I don't give a shit if you play poker, son. Just as long as people are listening. Yeah, yeah. He's that real down south, like yeah. old boy, and uh, he's, he's he's basically the, the he's the manager of the football team, the LA Stallions. He's basically the uh, the rich oil Texan guy from exactly. the Simpsons with the two goods. Exactly. That's a, that's One, two, three, four. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> no CD. And he 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 runs the whole show. And but but at the start, he seems like that jolly Texan, that mm. jolly southern guy, and he gets dark. Like yeah, it does. Um, but uh yeah so the so the plot of the film is about him trying to legalize gambling for for american football and it just reinforce and and it sets up gambling i think in a way americans have this weird view i think anyway on gambling and because it's only legal in new jersey and nevada as far as i'm aware right which is why you've got the big casinos there like las vegas and salt lake and And atlantic city atlantic city yeah so the idea of the film is that he wants to legalize gambling just for professional sports because, in his opinion, free agents are ruining football. And this was a big kind of debate in the early nineties yeah. about how football was um, progressing. We, yeah, and as far, like I know, fuck all about sport, but as far as I know, there was teams getting sold from place to place, and I only know this from the Animaniacs, yeah. by the way. <laughs> uh, there was teams getting sold from place to place, and. Yeah, Do you know the the LA Raiders end up becoming the Portland Raiders, and there was whole franchises like uprooted and moved away from their original place. That like, you know the 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 Colorado Mountaineers were then sold to like Idaho. That's a made up thing. Yeah, but the fact that like their Colorado move, Mountaineers moved to like the flatlands or somewhere yeah. else, yeah, and just pick it up, uproot it, and put it somewhere else. You know. Uh, I know those aren't teams or places or things that happen, yeah. but that's yeah, the, Cleveland, the, Cleveland's not a place now. The, yeah, <laughs> that's the example I'm giving. It's like this whole thing was how sport was being run. Yeah, but it's how, it's how the Americans run their sport and that yeah. they, they base it off franchises and the franchises have to own this player and they own the player's image and rights. Yeah. And they have a bit to like mark- football is in, yeah. in England at the moment. Yeah, right? exactly. So you have and if there's this same player thing- transfer window and it's all highly regulated yeah. and the prices are all highly regulated yep. and there's and there's you know where where the guy can be and how long he can be but there and different contracts it, and but this whole idea of the free agent is about mm. the player taking back control of himself if yeah. he wants to leave a club he lets his contract run out and then goes as a free player whereas the problem with this film he hates that because he can't make money off selling that guy because the guy doesn't want to play for them anymore he yeah. wants to play for the the portland mountaineers or whatever <laughs> and uh so so that's and i, I think that's a disgusting it's it just 
Well, it seems like there's a lot of stuff about um, about about how bad drugs like black and, no, but black dudes are like then slaves yeah. to this football economy, yeah. and it's like a real slave system where yeah. they're selling the fittest, biggest, yeah. strongest black guy and white guy. But like yeah. th- that, there was this whole thing of like Jimmy Dix, yeah. who was played by Damon Wayans, had the best arm in football, yeah. and because the pressure was on, like. Uh, there's one scene, and we talk about it in my in the, our favorite yeah. scenes later on. But there's one scene where he's in the bathroom, basically describing to Bruce Willis what it's like and the pressure, and that's why he's on drugs, and this is why he got kind of kicked off the team, and this is why he's kind of like a washed up dude. Yeah. So we start off but by we, seeing we don't get we don't really get sympathy then, like nobody gives him sympathy in the film for that because straight away he gives a quip about you know don't let the door hit you on the way out or whatever yeah so it also de- it, he seems very guarded as a character i think yeah but like when you get introduced to him he's at the bar he's drinking and he's toasting what we later find out to be you know his his unborn son yeah and he's like alex the astronaut do you know alex yeah. the pediatrician yeah and you know that he's been through sorrow and then you know yeah, but uh, yeah, but the point is that Bruce Willis doesn't give him any sympathy. Then no, right because he's because just he, as fucked up. Yeah, but he, it's almost like they're trying to reinforce this American idea that gambling is so wrong that it should never be introduced into sport because it'll ruin it, and that f- players taking back their own image is wrong. So we need to make sure that that never happens, and that's what the, uh, that's what I think the film is pushing, and that's another I, reason I, I disagree. Like I don't think that they're trying to say gambling is wrong. What I think they're trying to say is that. With the freedom that people get, and this is from two lads who know fuck all about sport. Yeah. But I'm talking about like socio- sociologically. Yeah. Uh, the fact that like there are young lads, like you said at the start, there's a guy called. Uh, He's B- played by Billy Blanks. Anyway. Billy, Do you remember Billy not, Blanks? In yeah, those? yeah, yeah. Billy Blanks, the, 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 the shadow country, yeah. tie bow boxer. Yeah, yeah. Is Billy Cole is the, is the yeah. name of the character. Yeah. And basically, he's like the star of this. Show so the whole movie opens up with Billy Cole, a star like a star <laughs> it's quarterback. Like ridiculous what happens, and he goes into the dressing room just take, before there's like it's at the time I think, like, isn't it? Yeah, there's like fucking ninety players on a football team, and there's like fifteen minutes between each play, and yeah. everyone has to wait around and have like a cup of tea and a Danish, and then they have <laughs> to do like a lap of the pitch, and then they're allowed to throw the ball once. But it just seems so long and protracted, like the game of football in yeah. America, right? So to get to sell advertisers, exactly. He goes, so he goes into the, the the dressing room and he takes a bunch of pills, takes and, PCP, and he comes he comes out, and he has a gun in his belt, and to do the play, he catches the ball and he just starts running, and, and he dodges people. one lad, he dodges another lad, he dodges another lad, and you think like, oh, but he looks fucked up, and he just pulls out the gun and he just starts shooting defenders, picking them off one by one. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then he gets to the touchdown. Uh, area and uh, the t- touchline or whatever and he take, takes a knee puts the gun up to his head and he goes ain't life a bitch and then shoots himself in the head right and th- and then it starts the movie and you're like Whoa! yeah the whole essence of the movie for me not was that gambling is a bad thing it's that free agent or no the, the immense immense pressure that's put on these football players to perform yeah. is making them act in a way that is unbecoming of a public figure and then their whole lives are ruined when they're pushed for however long they get away with it mm. to do drugs, do performance enhancers, or have a way to de-stress from all the, the, the massive pressure and the massive amount of money that's riding mm. on their performances. They're being pushed from their managers like the likes of Shelley, uh, uh, Shelley Marcone. And 
they take loads of drugs and Jimmy Dix was one of them and he took a bunch of drugs and he tried to, you know, some of them are doing game fixing and some of them are doing other stuff. So like Billy Cole got a phone call just before he went out the thing. He said, hey, Billy, you know, you got to win a lot of money riding on this. And he just shoots loads of cunts and shoots yeah. himself in the head because the mad pressure. And then if you get caught, your whole life is over and you can't be anything else because you were a fucking multi-million dollar yeah. football player who got caught, disgraced, and now your life is sitting in a bar like Jimmy Dix, played by Damon Wayans, drinking whiskey, toasting your unborn son while you wait for your stripper girlfriend to finish her dance mm. and then take her home. Like, it's tragedy from start to finish. Yeah, yeah, it is. This, is, this isn't one you'd watch, like, on a come down or anything. You've got <laughs> to be happy watching this. But I think that the unlikely partnership, the very kind of lethal weapony partnership mm. between Bruce Willis's character, Joe Hallenbeck, and Jimmy Dix, played by Damon Wayans, like... Bruce yeah, it's Willis it's has has just uh, as much of a sorrowful start, and we see through the through the function of like flashbacks and little kind of like hints and uh, and stuff until maybe past the I think at the start of the third act we finally find out exactly what happened. Mm. But there's little flashback moments of like uh, Bruce Willis who was a secret agent I before he was a I private eye. There was three eye. flashbacks. There's the one of them. In each act, there yeah, was a flashback. Yeah, yeah, the start is the one where he hears the noises inside the senator's room. Yeah. Then there's the one with him and Jimmy... The Jimmy pr- Carter. Jimmy yeah. Carter. And then there's the final one, which is the follow-up to the first one. Exactly. But we don't which, want to spoil it, so yeah. we're not going to tell. But there's like... Yeah. A, at the start of the third act, you find out exactly what he yeah. was. And he's a, he's a, he was a secret service agent before he became a private eye. Mm. But when we're introduced to him, he's asleep in a car and three kids are fucking with him by putting a dead squirrel on his chest. <laughs> like, he seems like the most destitute... Yeah. bottom of the barrel person of all like he was yeah. so fucked up that he couldn't even get out of his car to go in and sleep in his own house yeah he's like he's like a, a stereotype of that kind of film noir private eye I'm getting too old for this shit yeah, getting too old for this shit yeah this guy who's uh, like burnt out and just yeah. because he's so good right so yeah it's, it's yeah, almost he, it's almost like the two of them um have made well less so well more with Jimmy Dix's character is like he's the all-american hero quarterback and then he makes one mistake and it, it's emphasized that it's actually the gambling that he gets yeah. fired for it is the gambling and cocaine addiction but it's more the gambling that seems like the worst problem and he gets fired for that which you know obviously to a European that's mental because we've got legalized gambling over sure. here and why why it's so different in America which is why I think that they make gambling almost an enemy of it because then the follow up to that is clearly you know they ring up Billy Cole in the opening scene and he does the fucked up thing and then the next thing we see is the opening credits to a Bill Medley song, Friday Night's a Great Night for Football. And yeah. it's just like the most ridiculously... Best song ever. I think I'm going to intro the show with that song. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, Brilliant. It's it's fucking weird. It's a clap along, yeah. like, anthem. Friday Night's Great Night for Football. It's brilliant. And then they've got all these flashes of, like, this American ideology of eagles and yeah what an American football game like the opening to the Super Bowl where an eagle flies in drops the ball into your hand and then everyone waves an American flag a hundred cheerleaders bursting out through like a circular paper banner and stuff which is which I think it's it's kind of like a I don't know if it's in a serious way or in a satire way it's trying to trying to play play on the American ideologies and the American dream of like you know our sports are on and and well, I think people who, who, who like football like that pageantry. They like that, like, celebration. It's like, here's the thing that I love. I know all the stats with all the characters. Yeah. Like, we're not sports dudes, Gary. I, I'm a sports dude. I'm really into my sports, yeah. Are you? I, I like my American football. And to me, that's the aspect of American football I hate. 
You know? So do you you know about stats and plays and how many like the spread and all of this kind of uh, stuff? Like, no, I I know a bit about my, I'm more of a soccer and guy kind of okay, guy. Okay, so if like, you're a yeah. soccer dude, you know like the the potential of a certain lad, how his yeah. form is playing and all yeah. that kind of stuff. If he's going to score or not score, yeah. Like in American football, it's even more mathematically, yeah. Like dissected or the way the players are put together, the way like the coach is or the, the yeah. You know, it's all these mad like almost scientific. Uh, but it's like, the, it's like the money ball thing of yeah. um you of can predict that stuff economics you, it, it's it's really applicable to baseball yeah. apparently but you can't really do it at football soccer it, it doesn't work soccer well. doesn't work because no. it's a continuous play sport yeah but what i'm saying is like you seem like you're really bashing how this movie represented football no it's not that i it's it's the fact that it bashes i i think the the, the fact that it bashes gambling so much i find in the film do you really i don't it really I annoys never me. felt that man no. i never felt that that was a big thing i think it was more about like the burnout of the characters yeah. like one let's get into then the favorite parts of the movie the favorite plot points one of the favorite plot points for me was the uh the the uh, there's a collection of them and it yeah. was kind of like um jimmy dix wanted to claim back his old life mm. and at the same time he, he kind of didn't and in movies nowadays, right, you end up with these, like, almost prequel sets for the first half of the first act, where they're setting up the character by giving, like, uh, an outside, like, a pre-credits scene where you're given, like, an outside uh, an outside aspect of how this character is going to behave in another situation. Whereas I think in movies in the 80s and 90s, especially up until, like, the mid to late 90s, the whole movie was just about the movie. And this from from minute from second one from frame one till the end is about yeah. football and gambling. And yeah. It's the same story, and you don't get any other bullshit. And it's yeah. the whole thing all together. And it's the character, and the whole thing is self encased. There's no extra stuff, or there's no like crossover, or planning for a sequel, or yeah. there's no you know the whole thing is just self-contained and that's what I really like about this film that you can watch it you're in that world and then when it's out you're like tapping out you're like I'm grand thanks for that yeah. right so the relationship between Jimmy Dix and his past seems to me to be like a, a like a want versus a hatred you know like a, a guy who's gonna like I've always said I wanted to go back to comedy and yet I know that I don't want to yeah because yeah. i don't really like it but the dream like the remembering how how like the best times yeah is really yeah. nice well that, that's exactly what it is it's, it's he, do, he he i think in in america if you want to be a sports star you got to be great in high school to get into a good college you got to mm. be great in college to there get is a progression the yeah of course yeah so he knows no other life other than football yeah. which is what drags him down but the two of these guys are are on that same trajectory where yeah. they had a very like uh powerful and high hierarchy high hierarchy uh, past yeah and they're both now at rock bottom and together they have to they, they, they have re- to smash that in half yeah they regain the respect of yeah. their peers and stuff like that so we see jimmy dix in his in his travel so the, the my favorite plot point the first one is when jimmy and bruce bruce with joe joe hallenbeck meet for the first time joe is tasked with uh minding jimmy dix's stripper girlfriend played by halle berry and her name is Corey, and this is young Halle Berry. Yeah, so you're she, talking. She looks like eighteen, like <laughs> r- like brand new Halle Berry, right? Fresh out the packet. Absolutely right. So Joe Hallenbeck gets a phone call from his best mate Mike, and you just see Mike from the mouth first with the dirty mustache, and he's like, "How are you, Joe? Listen, I have a job for you." And like I said, the self-contained thing is from start to finish, everything's linked. It's all together, right? Mm. So Mike is Joe's best friend. 
mm. and he's like hey man are you still doing the private eye thing and joe's like yeah it's like okay i have this girl in each of mine it's a few bob it's 500 dollars. like it's easy job you see a stripper just drive her home make sure she's okay for a few days not telling them that there's like a big massive conspiracy behind it or that she has we as we find out later on a bunch of like uh, blackmail information to blackmail this Shelley Marcone, the manager of the football team. He doesn't tell Joe any of that stuff. He just says, mind this girl. And Joe turns up at the strip club and meets Jimmy Dix, who's sitting at the bar drinking a whiskey with the barman. And Jimmy Dix like comes over and he's like, who the fuck are you? He's like, I'm watching your girlfriend. He's like, yeah, that's my girlfriend. And I have this whole big thing. And he's like, do you not know who I am? And, and all this stuff. And, and Joe kind of, goes like you're jimmy dicks and he tells him all the stats about himself he's like i know who you are and he goes well you want to punch me in the face and he's like i got the strongest arm in the league and he goes to punch joe hallenbeck and like bruce willis like catches his hand (laughs) and like turns it away as if he's some kind of like judo master and that for me was like god damn all that talk about being the strongest arm in the league and you still couldn't get a punch in past Joe Hallenbeck's defenses that really sets the tone for their relationship that it's like a, a you know in the master servant slave which when the daughter Joe Hallenbeck's daughter mm. gets introduced there's a master servant slave set up of character hierarchy mm. of high status and low low hierarchy for the girl uh, Joe ends up being kind of like the the Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah Jimmy Dix is the of the private eye world yeah, yeah. the private eye world and Jimmy Dix is the Padawan you know yeah. so later on that that role is then flipped when Jimmy gets invited back to the house after they've done that whole first thing, and I'm like, I don't want to give it any spoilers, but uh, Halle Berry gets a gets only about five minutes in the movie, yeah. So don't expect to see her for too long, right? Uh, get like get whatever you need to get done quick because she's only in it for five minutes, yeah. <laughs> if, if you know what I'm saying. So uh, she's a stripper. So they, they end up going back to Joe's house. And his daughter, played by Danielle Harris, uh, Darian, his daughter Darian is sitting, and she's a bit of a cranky whore, do you know? She is. There's a whole first act of just relentless action. There's a car chase, there's uh, like machine guns, there's, you know, uh, 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 the lads get caught by the bad guys and they get roughed up a bit. Like, And then after all of this stuff, uh, you, you end up back at the Hallenbeck's house and the daughter sitting on the sofa and she's like, fuck you, dad, you fucking asshole. And, and he's explained that to Jimmy what the crack is. He's like, yeah, she wanted to go to a party and I wouldn't let her and blah, blah, blah. He's like, do you want some ice cream? And she's like, fuck you. And he throws the ice cream at the window and you're like, this guy's unhinged. <laughs> yeah. And Jimmy Dix, after watching his girlfriend being killed, like you said, kind of doesn't respond emotionally correctly, I don't feel. But he's in shock and he's kind of, uh, he's kind of trite with most things mm. it seems he's like i'm not like i'm not bothered with much and there is that same like vacillation between joe hallenbeck and jimmy dix's character where at one point one lad cares and the other lad doesn't mm. so there's this whole thing of like uh yeah i don't care i don't care i don't care and then jimmy dix sits down and he tells the story of what happened to his his, his wife yeah and his and the story is that the reason he's going like Alex the astronaut, Alex the pediatrician, is because his ex-wife was seven months pregnant. She got hit by a car and killed. And the child got to live for 17 minutes in an incubator and they named him Alex and then he died. And Jimmy Dix, that was one of the reasons why he hit rock bottom. He had nothing left to lose. He was in professional football. He goes, fuck it, I have nothing left to lose. I'm going to make a few bob. And he started act, act, not acting right mm. and taking coke and doing gambling and doing all that stuff. And that was his... 
uh, c- c- his catalyst moment to, p- to plummet into rock bottom. Uh, but uh, you, in, you also have to remember as well that uh, while this is going on, he's telling uh, Bruce Willis's character, Hallenbach, that uh, he's actually had the game of his life. Uh, and he threw 300 yards that day. That's the same thing, yeah. yeah. So he's associating... I think he's trying to describe the fact that he's like, I gave up my life Life. for football. And I got got nothing back in return. And I got nothing back. I got got actually kicked out of the league for it. And you find out even more then when drugs are involved because like he sees he tells that story and it sets off a trigger in his mind like uh, you know an addictive trigger and he goes into the jacks to do a lot of drugs basically and Bruce Willis comes in catches him flushes drugs down the toilet and then Damon Wayans does that drug seeking behaviour where he he comes out with this big speech about like justifying his drug intake by describing the emotional trauma that he's experienced and Bruce was like I don't give a fuck at my house right So Damon Wayans basically tells Bruce Willis like, and I did this and I did this and I was really, really good. And then I started doing drugs and then your fucking knees blown out. So you're on like loads of painkillers and then you start taking stronger stuff and stronger stuff. And then you make a bad choice to try and pay for your drugs. So you end up trying to fix a game. Then you get caught. Then you get put out. What the fuck am I supposed to do now? I was, I was top of the world and now I'm bullshit. Like that's my favorite scene in a movie. Damon Wayans is a fucking like proper good actor. Tears in his eyes. Yeah, that's it's that's, that's a, that is a really good scene. scene. Yeah, and then Bruce Willis, cold as ice, and the whole way through, he's emotionless. Like he's like, he's been he's been hurt so bad that his emotions don't work anymore. And I think it's conditioning from what we find out later on that he was a secret service agent and he had to turn a blind eye to a lot of stuff. So he's yeah. kind of conditioned to turn in a blind eye. So when he does actually care about something towards the end of the movie, he starts to care about stuff on a on a subjective level. You're kind of like, oh, he's growing as a character. So both of these characters are set at a massive higher massive status, massive hierarchy at the start. Both of those things fall. Their hierarchy grows with their profession as they go along. And then as the movie goes along, their status rises to meet it. And it's a very satisfying dual uh, waveform of two character arcs that bounce off each other. And without each other, they're both at rock bottom. Mm. But together, they both end up being amazing. Yeah. And that's what I think is great about this movie. It's like with, with Riggs and Raj, there's a certain element of, you know, Riggs is going to stay the way he is and there's nothing going to change him and that's where they got five movies out of it. Yeah. And then Raj is always on the brink of like, I'm just about to give up, I'm just about to give he's up, ju- I'm almost retired. for this shit. But the retired thing seems to me a lethal weapon to be uh, just a manufactured end point that's put in there arbitrarily to go, ah, and I was retiring tomorrow. Like, it's yeah, a thing I've, that's put in there to go... Like, you don't get to see the shit that he's seen. He could have been sitting at a desk pulling his plums. Like, it's it's an, it's an a it's an artificial implant of finality. Whereas Bruce Willis has had his finality years ago, and yet he still continues on mm-hmm. emotionless. He might as well be dead, but he continues on. And the one chance he gets to redeem himself, he takes it. Because otherwise it's just been humdrum all the way along. And the reason he takes it is because there's a, a very personal uh, uh, relationship to this case by all the people that are in, involved in his life. Mm. And we find out that Mike, his best friend, gives him this job. But as he gives him the job, Bruce finds out that he's fucking his wife. Yeah. And he gave him the job to see if he could get killed so he could take his wife away from him. 
So that's one personal involvement. The second personal involvement is that Jimmy Dix, we find out after he gets kicked out of the house for taking drugs, the daughter comes out and goes... It's literally the very next scene, yeah. very next scene, the daughter goes, my dad loves you, he, you were his favourite. He was so pissed off when you got kicked out of the league for drugs, he was really disappointed in you. And you have that father-son mentality. You have that uh, Padawan, like, oh, I fucking loved you, man. And you went and done drugs, you dickhead. And Jimmy doesn't know yeah. that Joe was like, used to love him mm. so in the club when he goes to punch him and 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 bruce willis is kind of like you're jimmy dicks you throw like 400 yards and whatever and blah 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 and you did all these stats like you don't understand the gravity of the relationship that's already there from the feelings of joe towards jimmy dicks mm. and that stuff grows and the, the mutual respect grows and then later on Jimmy tries to live up to him like remember those uh, Warner Brothers cartoons where it's like hey Spike hey Spike what are we going to do Spike and there's like a little dog and then the big yeah, tough yeah. dog like Jimmy Dix is kind of like that to Bruce Willis going like you're real cool and you snap lads arms and you shoot guns and all can you show me how to do that yeah and yet when Darry and the daughter turns up with a gun Jimmy Dix shits all over himself he's like put the fucking gun away like there's still that well, element in fairness of, she's a 13 year old girl pointing a gun at him I'd probably shit myself too <laughs> well, yeah you probably would but I'm saying like it's just yeah. that the, how, how both of them grow in the movie really naturally from a, 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 a really like an unmanufactured or a non-artificial uh, starting point rather than the artificial starting point in Lethal Weapon is like tomorrow's my retirement hmm. just arbitrary like there's a day the other way you're supposed to start the story in the middle yeah so this is really starting the story right in the middle and the stuff that you need to know you're given in flashbacks yeah, yeah. or you're given in expositional dialogue that yeah. doesn't seem uh just implanted in the story and i think that's from the talent of shane black who 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 knows how to write the script properly or knows how to expose that information of a character properly to an audience rather than going oh here's a set piece where everyone's sitting down and having tea and talking about their past hmm. it's it's done by the fact that he got caught taking drugs in Joe's bathroom with the child in the house. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, get the fuck out of my house. No way, you don't understand. I'm taking drugs because all this stuff. Mm. And it, it's naturally drug-seeking behavior. And it's also informational exposition. So you're like, that's fucking good, man. Yeah, yeah. Are you warming to the movie a bit more now? Yeah, maybe I am. Maybe maybe I was a bit too hungover yesterday watching it. Maybe very, a, bit, a bit cynical. You were emotional. You were a bit Bruce Willis yourself. Yeah, I was. I was was a bit uh, Joe Hollenbach. I ain't no Hollenbach girl. <laughs> That's the T-shirt for yeah. this episode. Um, yeah, I think I, like I do think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of great like moments between those two characters between Jimmy and Joe. And it's so strange to hear afterwards that the two lads were actually hated each other in real life. Yeah, I don't know, but some of it felt a bit forced to me. Some of the lines felt a bit forced to me, uh, and especially the quips, because like yeah, Bruce like, Willis's quips were so corny. Yeah, it, and and but funny and told as if Bruce Willis in his off duty time was sitting around in his jocks, hating <laughs> life, drinking himself to death. And watching like old shit cop shows yeah. where they have all those like when you know when uh, your lad sticks a knife in him and he sticks him he, your man gets stuck in the wall he's all like stick around <laughs> like those kind of lines is joked about in the very very yeah. final scene when they're walking away and he's like no you know when you dispatch a guy like yeah. Damon Wayans aspires to be a private eye because yeah. he has no football career and he's just sitting around drinking his life away yeah so they're like, yeah. And he has no Holly Berry to blackmail someone exactly. to get his job back exactly. anymore. Because so, she a dumb bitch. 
<laughs> and he, he he they're walking away from the thing and basically he goes like no when you hit somebody you gotta say something smart like just be cool you know so i don't know um say you're fighting a guy on the beach and you pick up a surfboard just before you hit him with it you say surf's up pal <laughs> like teaching him how to be that corny yeah, yeah, yeah. you know action action movie star like i think it could have been great as a as a as sequel a- but I'm really happy that they didn't, and it's just all encompassed like this one, one time entry into that universe, and you can just imagine those two guys going off and trying to solve crimes together in the future, and it's you know hmm. uh, to infinity and beyond. But like, I think that the relationship between the two guys, as good as it was on screen, they fucking hate each other. Yeah, like, yeah. But yeah, no, it is interesting to to read about all the problems they had shooting the <laughs> film afterwards. Um, Especially, especially about the, the producers, Joel Joel Silver. Yeah, he, he did. For those who you don't know, he, he did uh, Die Hard with Bruce Willis. I think he did another couple of films with Bruce Willis. Yeah, and um, and they've never spoken since that film as well. Is the interesting thing? They, well, the, they were they were in a good working relationship because they obviously worked on Die Hard together, and that yeah. was such a hit. And they did one or two films in between Die Hard and this. And he said he never. They said they'd never work with each other again after this. I think, uh, like Tony Scott, uh, was kind of boxed out. Yeah. By Joel and Bruce and Shane, Shane Black's script was like rewritten on butchered. set. Butchered, it seemed. Yeah. So, so they say it's butchered. I mean, it's still, it ended up still being quite a good movie, mm. but a lot of like shitty puns and yeah, yeah. Some, but the story itself and how the characters were developed, I think, weren't as as affected as yeah. No, when you hit him, you say this. Yeah, because in that you know. scene at the end, they're actually behind a tree talking. Yeah, yeah. So it's clearly ADR'd and they just let the shot linger and yeah. it's obviously in the editing. Um, but the way, the way like uh, Tony Scott talked about it or the way people talk about yeah. uh, the relationship between them all, it seems like Joel Silver and Bruce Willis came and just took over the movie. Yeah. And started just like changing everything, and there's nothing anybody could do. Seems like seems like Bruce Willis did that a lot as well, because I know he did it for Die Hard 4.0. Yeah, I think I think he's not a great lad to work with by all. No, accounts, he sounds like you know? a very Edward Norton type guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mental, mental, yeah. But uh, it, it it's it's just it's mad how you know Tony Scott can let something like that happen when he has m- movies under his belt like Top Gun, True Romance, yeah. Enemy of the State, Days of Thunder. Yeah. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop uh, Deja Vu with Denzel Washington that's one of my favourite films of all time like fucking love that movie uh, the new A-Team movie he did in 2011 like that mm. like they're all crackers none of them are with Bruce Willis <laughs> nah, <laughs> or, no. you know, or Joel Silver or Joel Silver like those guys kind of went and done fucked up you know but to just uh, as part of my favourite scenes in, like one of my favourite plot points is the way that that relationship goes between them and the whole thing from like the middle of Act Two is okay. We set up their desperation, we set up their rock bottomness, and we've given them a mission. And it's a hero's journey. And as yeah. soon as both of those complete that mission, they will be fully redeemed. Mm. Now there is a, a a plethora of bad guys. There's like an antagonist, and then there's an ant- antagonist, or the, what the one below that. So there's like the, basically the henchman, the main bad guy, the under shed, the underboss, yeah. and then there's like another guy who's not really a bad guy, uh, who's the the politician. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he, like, when Bruce Willis was a Secret Service agent, he used to work on your man's security detail, and this guy is just not a good guy. Yeah. And as the plot reveals itself, it's basically uh, Shelley Marcone, played by Noble Willingham, 
wanted to legalize gambling so he had everybody on board except for this one politician who was blackmailing him for six million dollars right um and then it's at that point it's like a phone conversation between two of them that that's on, that, that they have on tape yeah, that, that um, Halle Berry's character Halle has Perry, yeah she steals and wants to blackmail Jeez, this 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 it's it's it plays out very simply on screen when you describe it it's actually very complicated that's the thing man yeah like and from from minute one the whole thing is is laid out yeah like there's no fat to trim yeah there's no fat to trim and because Shelley Marcone is such a kind of a standoff I think like a Bond villain in his in his lair you know he they they kidnapped uh, Joe Hallenbeck that's another this is another one of my favorite uh, uh, moments when Milo who's like uh, Shelley Marcone's hitman, hitman, yeah. and he has two little goons with him. Oh yeah, that seems great, brilliant. Yeah. So these guys, there's like the two lads are being chased all over town, basically, and there's cops trying to set them up. There's people being shot. Uh, Joe's fingerprints have to be put on stuff. Everyone knows what Jimmy Dix looks like because he's famous. So Jimmy Dix has to like have uh, altercations with football player, former football players, and shit like that. And uh, Joe Hallenbeck has to deal with like police and and other guys that he knew from his life before so their previous lives and their previous transgressions are always being thrown in their face mm. thrown in their face while they're trying to redeem themselves and despite all of the foibles and all of the things that they did in the past that are still being like held, held up to their face they still persevere and they still manage to take the high road morally and they still manage to save the day and do all that stuff even though it it's not just a thing I did. It's a thing I did. Everybody knows about it. And they're always telling me about it. And I still rose above. That's the fucking... That's the thing that warms yeah. my heart. Yeah, yeah. Like cholesterol. That shit. Like, I love that shit. And in Die Hard, it's like, yeah, there's no real... Like, yeah, it's cool and all. But like... And he, you know, he has a responsibility. He's a super cop. A super barefoot cop. He has a, he, he has a fucking responsibility to save these people. But not really. Like, you know... This is kind of like, it's already, everything has already gone wrong. Mm. And at the start of the movie, we just get a nice fresh cut on Joe when he finds out his best mate is fucking his wife. Yeah. And he, he seems so unfazed by it as well. Unfazed. He's just like, I expected this shit. Yeah. And then like two minutes later, his best mate gets into a car and turns the key and the fucking car blows up. But we don't find out until way later on. A little spoiler, because, you know, it's part of the buzz. We don't find out till way later on that that was meant for Joe. Mm. That was meant for Mike, the guy who was investigating the case. Mike wanted to give the case to Joe because he knew that whoever was investigating the case was going to get killed. Mm. And the guys who were trying to kill Joe later on in the movie were trying to get rid of Mike first and wired his car to blow up. And as soon as, soon as Joe Hallenbeck realized that cunt gave me this case because he wanted me to die. Mm not solve the case and get to fuck my wife after I'm dead. That was when Joe went, oh, fuck everything. <laughs> fuck everything. And that's his real rock bottom and we get to see it. Even though we have a history of it as well. Another one of my favourite things when Milo, this is the... Milo, Milo's fantastic. Fantastic. Um, what's so he's play, he, Taylor Negron? He's played by Taylor Negron, yeah, and he's super creepy he's, fucking... Yeah, in the original script actually it was an interesting thing I read was that he was meant to be way darker than he is in the film. In the film, like, he threatens to rape Thing's daughter. Yeah, there's a lot of... He used to do snuff movies or I something think, like yeah, that. Yeah, in the original script, he, yeah. he, they were meant to kidnap Joe's wife and make a snuff film with her. Yes. So it's... Yeah, it's also really, really dark, this film. Yeah. 
it should have been darker even yeah sure and that's the thing it should, i think it was just because it got that n17 yeah fucking nc17 nc17 yeah. rating and uh they had to bring it back down to r um so they cut a lot of that kind of stuff out of it um which but he th- has he has like a brazilian slash bavarian kind of bad guy vibe yeah but you know just from his haircut that he's a fucking bad dude yeah yeah he's like he's the, a bad hombre yeah he's like the bloody he's like that kind of creepy half comb over yeah, with the yeah. blood like bleach blonde hair yeah he and the bad tan and, and the bad tan yeah. like like that guy in um the chucky fenster guy the one that hangs in die hard <laughs> he looks like one of the mcpoyle twins from all the sunny in philadelphia <laughs> yeah. but just a brazilian yeah, version really, of yeah, McPoyle. Yeah, yeah. so like uh milo comes along and and basically they kidnap joe uh after after they've blown up some of their assets and the lads are like right we're sending the fucking real guys in yeah. and the the action in this movie is relentless. Yeah, it doesn't it's stop. It's relentless and surprising because you're coming from a set piece and you'd expect it to go like to like in Lethal Weapon. They're in the house and they're all like, "Hey, Raj, can you pass the potatoes?" Yeah, sure. Come, um, um, uh, blah blah blah. Funny joke. Ha 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 ha. Scene change. Uh, uh like establishing shot. Weird Eric Clapton guitar riff. And then you get introduced, and then that guy walks across the, the the scene, and they set up a whole new scene. Hmm. But with the last Boy Scout, every every set piece, every scene is uh, kind of truncated, maybe a few seconds before the scene before. Hmm. So it's always flowing into the next scene, flowing into the next scene. So when we get introduced to Milo, Bruce Willis's character Joe is having a, having a little bit of a chat at home. He's talking to some people at home. And he's packing up some stuff, talking to somebody on the phone, hangs up the phone, gets his jacket, the doorbell rings. He's like, oh, I wonder who that is. You open it up and there's Milo and he has a fucking cattle prod and he electrocutes <laughs> him. And then smash cut to the next scene where he's fucking waking up in a chair in some weird underground swimming pool that we find out is Shelley Marcon's lair. And you're like, what the fuck? What's after happening here? Like, it, yeah. it, it's surprising and relentless. Yeah, it is. And I, I like the way Milo and his goons then start to fuck with Joe a little bit. That, that scene, that's the, that's the best scene of the whole film. Oh, so, so tell us then, is that, you, that's your favourite one? That's my favourite scene. It's, it's, uh, yeah, okay, I, I like the, the bathroom stuff. Tell but us about what they, happens on the pool then. So he's sitting at the pool and there's two henchmen guarding him before Milo and Shelley Marcon come in. And one of them just decides to fuck with Bruce Willis and he, he hits him a few slaps. Then Bruce Willis asks for a cigarette. And he gives him the cigarette and he goes, sure, yeah, no problem. And it's, it's also weird that like all the bad guys in this film seem to go along with Bruce Willis's ploys. I found very strange. Like, I think Bruce Willis has like that presence that if he tells you to do something, you'll probably do it. He, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. They, they, they but were, also it's like pretty simple requests. Like he was going, can I have a cigarette? That, that, that one is about... But and your man when, goes, when he, okay. It's the hand puppet one later on. Yeah, that, yeah. That's so forced. Yeah, yeah. It kills me. Um, or but that's the, the master servant slave then coming in because the daughter had a very high hierarchy. We'll um, talk about that in a second. But yeah, so, so, so he asks for a cigarette. Gives him a cigarette. Goes, him a Can cigarette. I have a light? Can I have a light? And then he goes to give him the light, and just as he's about to light the cigarette, he smacks him with the gun and starts laughing in his face. He punches him in the head. Yeah. He's not hit him with the gun. No, no he, punches he punches him in the face. So then, and then laughs like a mad bastard. Yeah. So then he goes. So Bruce Willis takes on Shane. He goes, you know what? If you hit me like that again, I'll fucking kill you. So then he asks for another cigarette. He goes like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Same ploy, asks for the thing, and then he hits him again the exact same way, laughs, and then Bruce Willis just punches him so hard in the nose that his nose bone goes into his brain and kills him. And then, like, it's just fucking amazing. The other goon that's sitting behind him is like, what the fuck? Oh, my God, what did you do? (laughs) 
and then the boss man comes down Milo comes down yeah. and goes and it's unfazed what happened here oh that guy died yeah he was a bit of a dickhead come here Joseph uh, and he calls him Joseph you know Joseph uh, what, what, oh that's know? so creepy I love yeah. that he, he calls people by the real, their proper name and, and of, later on when he's talking to Jimmy he's yeah, like hey James. James and he's like James who the fuck is James and Bruce Willis is like he does that he calls me Joseph like it's so nonchalant I love that like, yeah that, that that's brilliant that's well. really good banter so the great banter in the film and uh, he starts hitting Bruce Willis again and Bruce Willis goes if you hit me like that again I'll kill you yeah and he hits him again and later on you have a lovely yeah like uh, cl- like the close parentheses on that where he's like I told you I'd kill you if you hit me again. Like, uh, not saying that Milo doesn't die because he does, but he dies in an awesome way. Yeah, it is. It's pretty cool. <laughs> no spoilers. Um, but it's just like that sets Joe Hallenbeck's character up for infallibility from that moment on. Mm. So you, it's very hard when you're watching an action movie, like maybe not with Game of Thrones, but nowadays when you're watching an action movie, unless it's like an M. Night Shyamalan or something that's like you know, set up to be, oh my God, I don't believe it. Mm. The star of the movie, no matter what happens, is pretty much going to survive. Yeah. And it takes the suspense out of it. And I like the way Game of Thrones is like, anybody could die at any moment and you don't know Mm. where it's going to go. So that's kind of shaking the Definitely watch Game of Thrones. Do, yeah. Um, You know that Joe Hanbeck is not going to die, but you don't know that he's He's not going to get everything he wants or... At this point in the movie, you're already rooting for him to succeed because you're like, despite everything that happened to him, you've already found out that the reason he was let go as a, as a Secret Service agent was because of a really righteous yeah. uh, cause, it's, which it's, I don't want to spoil as well for the it's, audience. It's almost like the, the two the two characters mirror themselves in that uh, the, the white guy, Bruce Willis, is shunned for doing the right thing. Yeah. And then the black guy, Jimmy Dix, does one wrong thing yeah. and gets shunned completely for that. Uh, yeah, that's a weird it's a, mirror. It? Yeah. yeah. That's a real weird. I never thought about it that way because yeah. I don't see colour, Gary. Yeah. I don't know why you're <laughs> putting it to black white. I'm only, I'm only joking. But, but yeah, no, yeah. it is weird that like a guy who does good all the time does something extra good. Yeah. But it's seen to be wrong because it's like stopping corruption of other white yeah. people. And then a black guy who's in a like a predominantly... Uh, black exploited industry yep. does the same stuff as all the other black guys who exploit does the industry does a bit of cocaine does a bit of gambling and then he's just his whole life yeah. is ruined because of that yeah that's I never thought about it that way yeah it does set the hierarchy up in a in a, a very distinct fashion that mm. you're like it's fucking hard to be young and black in America yeah. you know yeah um, which it might be I, I, I have no experience or, or knowledge <laughs> thereof but it just like I can feel how frustrating it must be for those football players and that's really set out at the start where it's like a lot of pressure the reason we're doing this is not because and, we and want that, to it's because we have to and that's i think a main thing you have to remember 20 years well. later they've they've all got brain damage and they're left yeah. with nothing left because N- no kneecaps and fucking because they were like rocky six all over the fucking yeah. place um I, I i do think that uh the the last scene does end up getting a bit pantomimic the final scene of the yeah the last scene and there's like it's yeah it, Damon Wayans riding on a horse and <sighs> you know we have this Baynard character who's uh, uh, the, the basically the the, the politician who uh, you know Joe Hallenbeck used to work for yeah. I don't want to spoil it but like 
he used to work for him and they have to kind of save his life and Milo is trying to get rid of him yeah. because he's involved in that he's the, he's he's the, the last, last piece of the yeah, puzzle he's the last piece get. of the puzzle for Shelley Marcone to corner the gambling yeah. market and make all this stuff so they have to kill him or pay him off but he's after asking for too much money so the whole thing is that they're going to kill Baynard and blame it on Hallenbach and blame it on Hallenbach because he has a previous history with the character and he was giving him abuse and it's a totally believable narrative and these guys get away with it so on both sides of the law from the bad guy's point of view, Joe and Jimmy are like, they have to be eliminated. And then legally, because Joe's fingerprints are on a load of guns and all this stuff, the cops are chasing him as well because he's outside of that. So they are kind of like, uh, you know, out on their own rebels, you know, rebels against the whole system. Yeah. And if they don't succeed, everything is gone. The system's fucked. This, no, but yeah. like, they, like their life is done because they set out to do a righteous thing. The whole thing got turned on them. Like the stakes are fucking huge and every time, every every interaction they have with somebody, the stakes get risen and risen and risen and people are dying and risen and risen until it's like, if they win, they get everything and if they lose, they lose everything. And yeah. that's what I think is great about the final scene that, is usually for me anticlimactic in, a, in an action movie like this. Mm. It's usually like, ah, oh, yeah, I knew they'd die some cool way and I knew they'd win. I didn't know that they would complete the task. Mm. Uh, like, there's so, so, so many certain elements to it that, like. Well, I think, I think, I think I, I expected him to win in the end, but not to win as much as he did. Exactly. There were certain elements that could have gone wrong. Like, and there's, there's another part is, is without spoiling it too much it's just a little bit at the end but joe gets back with his wife and everything's happy again that really irked me because no i think that was that was the the showing of the development of the character like a permanent but, like but everything she, is back to the way it was at the start but the character has changed because of the journey but like at the end of it she just comes up to him and like loves him again for no reason almost okay well we'll have that, to take that apart then right so at the start she's cheating on him with his best friend she's cheating on him with his best friend your man catches him in the closet tells him to come out and Joe has like a cocked gun. Yeah. And Yuan is like, Joe put the gun down and he shoots like the family picture or the wedding picture yeah. or whatever, right? And then they're having a fight outside. And she's like, you don't give a fuck about me. Why don't you say like, fuck you, Sarah? Uh, you know, if there weren't cops around here, I'd spit in your fucking face. Because there was loads of cops investigating the fact that Mike's car had just blown up. Yeah. So... When Joe went to the cops to give the statement, and this all happens in the first like six or seven minutes in the movie, so we're not really spoiling that in here. Like, Joe goes to the cops and says, yeah, such and such a thing, and he was over here discussing the case with me first thing. He didn't say to the cops that Mike was over here all night, yeah. which would have gave rise to But that's the just covering his own ass. <clears throat> yeah, but it looks suspicious though. And later on, then that starts to gel together with the police because when they find out that the car was parked there all night, they're going, Hallenbeck has something to do with it. And it conf it, it's a confirmation bias of the narrative that Shelley Marcone and the bad guys are trying to yeah. portray. So it ends up with the bad guys after Joe and the good guys, the police after Joe. Like, that's a really clever plot device to, to make him say that lie. And at the start, it seems innocuous, but it comes back to haunt him later on. And she goes... I was lonely, Joe. You're always working. And he's like, get a fucking dog. Right? <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, I've no one to fuck anymore because your friend Mike is gone now. And he tells the lie to the cops. And then she's kind of, she comes in now and again, like when they're having the fight when Jimmy's talking about his kid and they're all in the room and the kid is there. Like, she turns up out of nowhere in the kitchen in her dressing gown and he's all like, go to bed, we're talking. And 
he kind of has like disdain for her. She's like a, an accessory or whatever. And then at the end, when it's kind of like, you know, the scene after everything, people are sitting in the back of ambulances getting touched up as yeah. you do. And she comes over and she's like, I'm really sorry. Yeah, but because the whole thing is in the space of like seventy two hours or less, scary. But I mean, like she comes over, and she says, I'm, "I'm really sorry." I mean, like what what's changed for her other than the jo- fact that she nearly lost her husband? He has done a righteous thing but, that he's never done ever before. He's also bonded with his daughter because his daughter hitched a ride uh, to get to the, to the to the crime scene, yeah. and she hid a gun in a fucking in a puppet. And gave it to the dad, the master servant slave, kind of like, I'm just like you, dad. And her character is also elevated very high in status mm. because she has the traits of the father. And they work well together. She's at her bonding with the daughter. The daughter's like, yeah, Jimmy Dix, Uncle Jimmy, he's cool. And dad's not so bad, right? And then the, 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 the woman comes up and goes, listen, you caught me fucking a guy and I hit him in the wardrobe two days ago. And then for the last two days, you've been getting shot at and you've basically like saved football and saved... A senator's life saved the American dream saved America and you're amazing and I never got to say sorry for like one of the great lines in it is like what are you going to say Mike oh sorry Joe I just slipped on a wet floor and I slid across the room and put, landed with my dick and your wife like that was like at the start of yeah. the movie and, she, and she's going like you don't emote you're not emotive you don't say anything you don't say fuck you I hate you Sarah but like you but don't at the care end of the film, he's still not emotive though he, he, but he is though He's way more emotive than he was in the start because he thinks about it and he goes, like, she's like, I'm really sorry for cheating on you. And sincere she is. And he's like, fuck you, Sarah. And she's like, oh my God, brilliant. He cares again. Because at the, we, we meet Joe Hallenbeck when he's almost at rock bottom. And in the first five minutes of the movie, you see his best friend get killed after finding out that he's fucking his wife that's rock bottom Gary like if you're not totally dead of emotion after that like nothing to lose nothing more dangerous than a man with nothing to lose emotionless like nothing surprises him he's seen it all and then finally he's going okay I've had I've started this like you know relationship with this Jimmy Dix guy and I've finally realised that people aren't like all bad and maybe I should be a little bit more kind of reaching out and my daughter like what a fucking legend like she saved our lives like she she's a mad fucking teenage bitch cunt from hell who has a dirty mouth and she no respect for me but yet she came and she saved my life and now I feel we have a bond and later on in the in the epilogue there's like a thing of she comes up and says something and he, and he tells her to do something and she's like but dad and then the man goes you listen to your father and she goes okay and it shows that begrudging respect that she has for him so that whole thing is like that Bruce Willis's character developed like loads from an emotionless fucking you know stone of a man who's like deeply involved in like alcohol and self-abuse and distancing himself emotionally from his family to someone who's like okay I'm going to play ball I'll be emotionless with you fuck you Sarah if there weren't cops all around here I'd spit in your fucking face which is a quote that she said at the start and it shows that he's going okay I'm going to I'm going to try because at the start he was I'm not even trying. Yeah, but he's got to try, but he, he says he says I'm going to try in a horrible manner, though. Yeah, but it's the jokey way. It, I, yeah, but I mean... It, I think it's jokey, like, I'm giving you what you want, even though you don't want to hear it. Because in fairness, she did cheat on him with his best friend, and he's kind of like, okay, well, listen, I'm not going to have a fight with you now. I, I am actually really, really pissed off, but I'm not going to give you too much shit over it, because, you know, I was probably being a dick. So, yeah. like, let's let bygones be bygones. And he repeated that thing to her as if it was... Do you know, like our little our little joke. 
Yeah, but it's, it's, I don't know, I think he could... I think it's Shane Black's writing, like, it does, it does mm. jar you because you're like, hey, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, maybe. But at the same time, you're going, oh, like, this is dark, I did, but I cute. Didn't, I didn't feel that. I, f- I felt, anyway, that at the end of it, he's just like, he's just saved America, and now, as a reward for that, his wife is just going to completely 180 and stop cheating on him and fall back in love with him like she did before. But she still loved him, but she just wanted to get a bit of a bit of love and attention. Why does anybody cheat on anybody? It's because they're not getting what they need at home. Yeah, so, so then why are you still with that person? Leave that person. But she doesn't want to leave him. She has a child with him to have a house and all. She still wants to be with him. And she's like, hey, I'm sorry, you want to stay with me? And he's like, yeah, go on. I was being a dickhead for ages. Let's try again. Because the two of them were like emotionally broken. Yeah. That's the thing. Like she cheated on him, sure, but he was being a fucking asshole as well. Yeah, I don't know. I it just I, and then she and then he goes, "Fuck you, Sarah." I'd spit in your face if there wasn't cops here. And she's like, "Maybe I should get a dog." It was like a begrudging, yeah. like a uh, uh, concession from on both of their parts to go. Yeah, we're we're both we were both assholes. Let's let's start again. Mm-hmm. And then like in the next scene when it's the epilogue. Everyone's fucking high five, and then the the, the color palette yeah. like raises to super and he, warm he's, tones. He's changed into like a Fred Perry t shirt yeah. from, from his. Uh, I mean, it's like a family his, man, and it's yeah. you know, yeah. like I think there is a massive character growth in him. Like, yeah, there is, but it feels very forced to me in the film. Mm, not as forced as the character growth in like Little Weapon or in Die Hard, where it's like, here's a thing that you can't but change your character, and you're like. This I think it happened like incrementally and naturally in this much better than in Die Hard. Yeah, maybe maybe it doesn't. Maybe not so much in Die Hard. Lethal Weapon, you're definitely right. It's yeah. very forced in Rigid. Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Uh, so we do uh, we do an alternative casting here on White Press Play. So you kind of can't really like cast them as too many like different people. But if you were to if you were to recast this film, who would you put in? Who would you put in place of who? Are we talking if we did it modernized or at the time? Oh, anybody. Like, who would do a good job of each character? Or who would be great in a partnership of yeah, this? Who, who would be, like, the good buddy cop for this? Yeah, who could play dark Probably and funny? Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> well, actually, Jimmy Dix, was because of his work with... Um, Joel Silver. Joel Silver and the other... The and other Shane Black and, yeah. People involved in the uh, Lethal Weapon and stuff. He was actually down to be Jimmy Dix. Yeah, I think it was written for him originally, yeah. yeah. Um, but Damon Wayans was uh, uh, on the up and up, and it seemed to match the... Yeah. The profile at the time, you know. Yeah. The interesting as well is that Damon Wayans actually trained uh, to be an American footballer, even though he doesn't, he throws a ball once in the film. Yeah. <laughs> but he still did it because he wanted to have yeah. the physique and he wanted to have the mentality, right? But um, yeah, I think if I were to recast them, um, who would be good? That's a tough one. I think for the daughter anyway, uh, oh, uh, Chloe, from- Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah, I she'd think. be great. She'd be yeah. really good. Sassy. Or, or the other one, um, Juliette Lewis, when she was young saucy yeah lippy bitch yeah, yeah yeah Juliette Lewis like she is a natural born killer yeah type, like yeah. a young cunt yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think because you really need it like I think Danielle Harris she wasn't in a whole lot more afterwards she was in a couple of like long running TV shows and stuff but she fucking as a young one like she's 13 in this like yeah. nails it nails it uh, um, Bruce Willis apparently and you're talking 1991 now so don't think of like super old version of this yeah. guy Jack Nicholson was know. down was chalked down to be yeah. Joe Hallenbeck. I don't think it would have been as good. No, no. I and I think this is peak Bruce Willis. This yeah, this is Bruce Willis when he would have been like one of the highest paid actors. Yeah. You know who probably actually would have been good is Nicolas Cage. Uh, Nick Cage. Maybe a little bit like all the jokes and stuff wouldn't have landed as well. Do you think so? I don't think Nicolas Cage plays empty. He plays like I'm really sad. Like he plays it really over the top all yeah, the time. Maybe. I think that somebody who has that um 
Tom Hardy now would be Tom amazing. Hardy would be really good as Jimmy Dix I think See, I think he would be better as Hollenbach the darkness and the the hollow um, empty emotionless kind of character I think is really really well played by the likes of Jake Gyllenhaal yeah, yeah so kind like, of like a nightcrawler type. a nightcrawler yeah. even a source code even uh, the new one Demolition oh, I haven't seen that one yeah he's just he plays like dead inside really really well the one I'm looking at here on your wall is uh, Michael Douglas in Falling Down really good perfect as well. yeah same that dead inside yeah. but still with a bit of life yeah nothing left to lose so he just goes all out balls to the wall but he him. has a spark you have yeah. to have that spark he can have somebody who plays dead you know like Heath Ledger but um, yeah that was a bit that was, that was pretty disrespectful to yeah. Heath Ledger's memory but yeah he plays dead really well he's been playing it for a few <laughs> years now um, so like the, like I think Bruce Willis someone like Jake Gyllenhaal would be my pick uh, and I think that if you're looking for someone who's athletic, who has drama chops to do those kind of uh, what happened in my life kind of scenes and who has the athleticism and who has the comedy chops, I think someone like Ryan Reynolds would have been really good yeah. as Jimmy Hicks. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. But in 1991, he was only like 12 years old. Or Sam Sam Jacks. Who's Sam Jacks? Sam Jackson. Who's Sam Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah. No, he's too old, man. No, but I mean, like, in his younger prime. Oh, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, man. No, he's too strong to play. The, his personality is too strong to play that character. Do you think? Yeah. Motherfucking think, yeah. kid live for no. 17 motherfucking minutes? No, no, no. I think you have to have someone who's a little bit... Who can who can play... Like, who can be believably pathetic. Because I don't think Samuel L. Jackson can be believably pathetic. Even when he's playing, like... A house negro in Django Unchained, and he's all like, "You gonna let the dirty up, dirty up nigga into the house? You gonna let him in, boss? You gonna let him in?" Like he's he's the lowest, uh, like uh, 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 in the hierarchy, lowest in status, and yet he's the coolest slave that you'll ever see. Yeah, like Sam Jackson's too strong to play that character. Like, yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Yeah, um, yeah, someone like Ryan Reynolds who has a little bit of. Like, especially in Deadpool, because Deadpool's such a fucking uh, desolate, like, personality case. Like, yeah. there's just, like, n- really nothing to lose. Even his life he can't lose. Playing Jimmy Dix, I think, would yeah, be... Yeah, that'd be really good, yeah. Really good, because he has that whole desperation thing. And in The Nines, if you've ever watched The Nines, uh, he, he, he plays, like, uh, bottom of the barrel... Uh, I've hit rock bottom in my life really, really well in that movie with uh, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. It's a class, like science fiction drama. The Nine, Nines. The Nines? Yeah. Doesn't sound like a very Melissa McCarthy movie. Yeah, we're going to do this on... The Nines is going to be on this uh, podcast pretty soon. Oh, it's awesome. it's an under-the-radar Ryan Reynolds movie. I'm really, Ryan really, Reynolds. really good. I love him to bits. Yeah, he's got, he's got a, 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 a an aspirational body. Let's say that. An aspiration. Yeah, you could aspire to it. Like yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to try and even... You know, not eat cake to 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 look like Ryan Reynolds like for Ryan a day. Reynolds. Yeah, I mean, you can have a man crush, right? Yeah. Um. So for for Shelley Marcone, who's played by Noel Willingham, I think someone like Tommy Lee Jones or one of those Tommy Lee Jones would be perfect. Yeah, for you him. have to have a strong no shits, yeah. no shits taken. Like he's a very strong bad guy with very few like foibles. Mm. Usually, you have a bad guy and he has like a fear of spiders or something odd. Yeah. Like Shelley Marcone is seems impenetrable as a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, no. And would you have anybody like an older? Pro- I think an old Jack Nicholson would also be good. Jack Nicholson, yeah, that yeah. could that could work. Or 
I don't know, I'm trying to think of somebody who's going to portray Donald Trump in a few years in a film because he's very he's <laughs> yeah, like he Donald is. Trump he is it doesn't matter how untouchable. much yeah. even if he's wrong he's right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so um, probably Donald Trump himself would be yeah. perfect for it if you could get him into it imagine that that'd be amazing the LA Stallions are going to win the best team they're the best they're going to win the World Series that's the wrong spot no they're going to win the World Series <laughs> Milo Milo this is a tough one to cast because he nails it you already Eagle. said the guy that I wanted it was a uh, uh, Nicholas Cage Nick Cage or I, th- I don't think he can be creepy enough I think he's like you said OTT whereas ne- um, Taylor Negron is very he's so it's the fact that he draws back and very creepy but still creepy in it that mm. ne- I don't think Nicholas Cage should do that um, I think Nicholas Cage can be fucking super creepy when he wants to be man yeah, but in an over-the-top way. Whereas you don't need that. You need the withdrawn. Yeah, as well, though. He can do withdrawn and creepy. Like, he he can do... Like, uh, in 8mm, he has that... Uh, even though he's the hero, he has that kind of, like... Like, the, the, the darting eyes. And he can yeah. be that, like... I'd love to kill you. I don't think he could do the stuff about the snuff movie. I don't think he could do that dark. Yeah. But the Milo that was in this film, I think he could... Even even if he, he threatens to rape a 13-year-old? Mm. Yeah, you need someone who's a little bit fucked up, I think. Uh, you know Peter Stormare? No. He plays uh, Cernabog in uh, American Gods. He I also that, yeah. he also plays uh, one of the bad guys in The Big Lebowski. Oh, you know that guy? He has like he, a, the, the a Russian be- guy. He has a Belgian kind of Rus- yeah. French Russian accent. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think he would be brilliant as Milo yeah. because he's unhinged. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he'd be he'd be great at it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Halle Berry, of course, like could be. She's only in it for five minutes. She yeah, she could be replaced be, by yeah, 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 like Jessica of, Alba or anyone. Any of them, yeah. I mean, it was one of her early uh, appearances in movies, but it literally could have been played by anyone with tits and an arse. Yeah, yeah. It uh, that's uh, yeah. It's a real shame. It's a real shame to yeah. say that. Even yeah. that's so like disrespectful to. A female character in but a bit I, I think part. A lot like, of the female characters in this are a bit, you know, backhanded and Could you even could you even say uh the name of the daughter, the name of the woman? The, his the, wife? The, yeah. The I, name I of the wife? I can't remember. Sarah. Sarah. But the only reason I remember that is like fuck you, Sarah. Oh yeah. Because he says fuck you, Sarah. And and Darian I can only remember because he's cu- he's shouting at her going yeah. like Darian, do as you're told. And it's an odd name as well. Uh, but yeah no, I, I think all the women in it because um, there is a scene as well near the start where Jimmy Dix is walking around a football pool party yeah and one of the players is like raping someone like he actually yeah he's putting her head under the water to get, force him to give him a yeah, blowjob yeah. and and then she like it's it's kind of just blown off he just tells him to stop and he throws a football at his throws face. a football in his face and then he stops and then like the two of them are a bit of an argy-bargy but like it, you don't it doesn't address how wrong and seriously wrong that is there's no repercussions for no, that guy no the guy just gets on with his life yeah he, he gets a ball in the face and a bloody nose but he doesn't but get like, like yeah that's it like yeah. no, like he doesn't he should go over and give him a, a proper ass whooping I think but he that, just walks off to the bar and drinks that was set up so that later on that same footballer could confront him while they were going into the final fight yeah um, I, I don't know if the forced copulation scene was meant to be as jarring like in 1991 it probably wasn't but yep. now in today's climate when you look at it you're like Jesus that's like crazy that's crazy, crazy sexual assault yeah but that's our, that's that, that's why you'll never see that scene in a movie that's made from now on like you won't see something like that it won't be made and that's the not that it's a shame like it's like oh yeah more forced under the water in pool blowjob <laughs> scenes 
but at the same time if we're afraid to show something like that and I don't think I don't think people are afraid to show I think I, I'd be afraid nobody wants to see it maybe <laughs> definitely don't want to see it but I mean if I do see it but didn't it make I want, you hate I, that I want, I want that character to have us have a fucking comeuppance for it and yeah. he doesn't really get it which is the problem I find he got a kick of a horse though didn't he he got a kick of a horse that's it oh my god the fucking horse is that all that's all he got he was he, he was going that's him that's yeah. Jimmy Dix and he's running after him in the final scene with a bunch of cops behind him because Jimmy confronted him with a shotgun in the tunnel yeah. it's like you broke my fucking nose and Jimmy pulls out a gun and goes I fucking shoot your face off get the fuck away from yeah. me uh, but yeah, like it he, wasn't proper like like righteous justice for yeah. the sexual assault he should be in court for yeah. it, obviously but like I mean, a problem, but I think is that is that is that inconsequential in the movie? Is that not just to show the insidiousness and how people deal? But like I, but I think it was a disc, it was a it was a show don't tell moment yeah. of a depiction of how different footballers are kind of untouchable and and it's maybe showing the world that Jimmy was a part of when he was in football and it led him to be able to think but, but I can take drugs and I can gamble if I'm looking at other lads f- like forcing girls on drowning girls under the water to give them a blowjob the actual line is hey you know she's going to drown under there and he goes she's not coming up until she starts sucking that's what yeah. the guy says and then he picks up a football and smashes him in the nose and he lets her go like I think that's to but, demonstrate the insidiousness of the industry that Jimmy tries to But the to problem leave, is we're not given no afterthought to the girl. She literally just runs away and yeah. which is which is the problem I find and I think I think the movie is probably a little bit sexist in that everyone Yeah, but I don't think like there's no strong you're, you're feel thinking like about that with today's head, Gary. Like you're going like everybody should like she should have a credit of like forced blowjob girl. I think, <laughs> I, I I don't think her character or that scene is as important. In, I know, but in it's, what you it, think it, it is. It just typifies the other stuff in the film. Like, like Sarah, the wife, is always an afterthought. Like, I can't even, couldn't even remember her name. She's yeah. constantly an afterthought in the film. Even his daughter is probably the strongest female lead in that. She's a 13-year-old girl. There's yeah. like, no, uh, even... Because Halle, maybe Halle, that's Halle, Halle Berry that, is a throwaway girl. Maybe that's that, saying the next generation are the ones that are going to be stronger because the, the ones that were around at the time... Were ended up being forced into situations that they couldn't really like. You don't know how that girl got to be there. You don't know that she's not a fucking gold digger trying to get pregnant from a, a football player so she can get like a paycheck forever. That doesn't mean that she deserves. Yeah, but to it be doesn't raped. mean that she does. That, that she needs. You need to have a like this. That's like saying in in um, Austin Powers. You know that joke where the fucking guy gets run over by the. The, the steamroller <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, you know, and then you cut to the scene of like the wife answering the phone and going you know your, your husband went to work today and he's not coming home and you see like the, the, that's like saying we have to fucking see the, the wife getting called for every bad guy that gets killed <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a Bond movie like it's not realistic to think that and I know you're saying it does have a, a sexist overtone yeah. but that's not the movie we're watching we're not watching it for like equality and justice we're watching it for fucking lads getting shot and to watch Joe Hallenbeck and Jimmy Dix do well we're not going like, oh my God, like what happened? I bet you that girl went home and she didn't even report but, that but to the cops you, you, and she cried herself to sleep. Like, you're, you're, saying, you're saying as well that like, uh, you are saying earlier that the, the film, the, the characters' arcs uh, um, are really well done because at the end of the day, they save everyone, they save America, they save the American dream, which is an overtone for the film. Yes. But, yeah, here you're saying we're only, we're not watching it for that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? No, we're not watching it for the kind of stuff of, uh, uh, sexual protection rights it's not a no, movie not, about rape i'm not I'm i think not. that scene you're put you're as you're ascribing certain current political viewpoints on that scene that the directors the producers and the writers 
put in for a totally different reason and that's the reason that these old movies are being like oh my god look at that shit like look at the fucking BBC comedies and, and TV shows from years ago mm. that are horrifically racist by today's standards yeah. but then it was all like oh that's real funny and if you can't watch that now and see contextually how funny it was then and still be able to laugh at it and go oh jeez that's really bad for now but for then it was quite funny like Only Fools and Horses there's loads of really racist stuff in that mm. but at the time it was grand and I'm sure David Jason looks back at that and goes oh Jesus I hope nobody <laughs> writes a fucking thing after I'm dead to say that I said like, yeah. like Packy or whatever on a TV show because now it's a bad word but then it wasn't mm. do you know what I mean and for to have something like that in a movie and you're ascribing a huge amount of uh, uh, cultural capital to that scene where really I think that that scene was meant to show that Jimmy was walking through this uh, lascivious uh, hedonistic like like L.A. Daniels was up on the fucking house it was like a footballer's house like a yeah. fuck house where people would drink and do drugs and there was w- like wanton dis- disregard for rules and social norms and it was totally okay for a big fat football player to force a girl to give him a blowjob by drowning her under a pool and this was the world that Jimmy Dix was in because at that point it was trying to establish his character and then you had to see him rise above that stuff and go, hey man, stop it. Hey, stop it. And then he lashes him with a football and goes, don't ever see, let me see you doing something like that again, you fat fuck. Like that's, as mu- that's a massive amount of retaliation. Mm. He's not like, I'm going to call the cops on you because you're fighting against the, a, a whole system that acquiesces to that behavior. But I mean, like... like that was enough to show is, that is, Jimmy is not involved in those kind of lascivious behaviors and that he was against it and that was that showed the content of his character do you but, not think that no, but it's I, not like we, need, we don't need to see the court scene where the guy gets fucking accused I don't, I, for rape like no, I'm not asking for that I'm asking for him to, to go over and hit him a few slaps he did he hit him with a he football, him, football, him with a football once in the face go over and give him a few slaps you wanted more justice yeah I want justice. I think... I, I, no. Do you know what? Is that, 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 that wasn't the fight, that's though. That's what the film is about, though. No, that wasn't the fight, though, Gary. That was an incidental. That's like ring, That's like showing the bad guy that got shot, showing his family having the funeral and all, when it's completely, like, no, a, a it's parallel not, to the it's to not, the plot of the I don't movie. Agree, I don't agree with that at all. Well, I, we'll have to agree to disagree, agree, I think. Yeah. I, I just, I just no, wanted I to go over and give him a few I think that's a bit virtue signal a little bit, man. That's too much. Just go out, even grab him by the throat and warn him That's close your to own face. personal thing, though, that you wanted more justice for that guy. I think that was enough. No. No. no no personally I don't think so anyway well we didn't see what happened to that girl maybe uh, maybe, maybe she came back and stabbed them yeah later on hopefully. who knows maybe Fingers she did crossed. go to the cops and that's a totally different movie yeah I don't I, think I, I don't think that. I don't think it's important what we do have to take away from this is that Tony Scott uh, made a really good film and he Tony Scott made, made a, a decent film made a lot of really good films and like unfortunately he got diagnosed with a terminal illness and jumped off a bridge in 2012 and killed himself yeah that's unfortunate which is I think I mean that's your own choice if he didn't want to go out you know withering away or anything like that but there was a certain element of like shock horror to his demise yeah it was and his brother took a long time to get over it yeah Ridley Scott yeah and then started making more shit films yeah I I like Ridley Scott's movies but I like Ridley Scott's movies but he, he 
Alien is another thing. I'll, I'll, that's a that's yeah, a different podcast. Alien Covenant can can. can it's not going to get an episode on this. No, <laughs> I think um, I was disappointed. But I think that like when you're looking back at movies like this, it's 1991. Like the stuff that was going on in this movie, and the stuff that people were talking about, uh, I think it got totally left behind and under the radar. And if if you want to watch in if you if you're trying to write an action movie or you really into action movies, this is the perfect film for it. Yeah, it ticks every box. And and for me, th- that's not what I'm into. You know, I'm not into action movies that much. But this is is a thrill ride throughout the whole thing. Relentless, relentless. Um, was the word we kept on saying. We we watched this with a we watched this with the folks from uh, Patreon. Yeah. Uh, in a Discord server, we had a watch along, so they were able to find it in whatever source they could, and we all watched it together. And we had a comment uh, comment or two. So every week we're going to be doing those watch alongs. So if you want to get into the Discord server or go on to patreon.com slash play and sign up, I think it's two dollars a month is the the lowest amount, and you get a notification. You can join in with us, and we'll all watch it together on a a Thursday night or something like that, and get ready for the show. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be joining in on those. Yeah, we go crack. So we watched all this together, and uh, Christine was there, and Gord was there. We were watching it together, and relentless seemed to be the word that was yeah, popping out of my mouth the whole time. I was like, man, this is fucking relentless. Yeah, it is. It, you know? um, but it does. Though, it, every every kind of if you're learning, if you're learning to write, and you want to write a good action movie. This is exactly how to do it. Exactly, it's yeah. the temp. It's a template that everyone should work off of, if you will. So you're 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 coming around now to, to like in the movie. Maybe. At the start, you were like, "This is shit." I I did at the start. I, I think did. you're I think you're a bit butthurt about that rape scene. That's why. That's why you're like. I re- that's I re- in the first ten minutes, and you're like, "Oh, I don't like this movie." Yeah. No. I, Soured I, you maybe? I was I was reading a good um, review of it by Roger Ebert, and he was like, "This film hates women," and I was like, "Actually, never think of it. This film does hate." Yeah, but does it have? Does every film have to love women? Don't, or does don't, every film have to love men? I think, I think people are watching Peppa Pig and like Daddy in Peppa Pig gets a fucking rough end does, of the stick, bro. Yeah, and does. you don't see anyone going Peppa Pig Not hates men. Everyone, everyone mm. on about how much Peppa Pig's a cunt. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't let my daughter watch it anymore. Yeah, I wouldn't let any of my kids watch it because no. it puts a, an unfair uh, bias against m- silly Daddy. But there's loads of rom coms that end up making men look like dickheads. There's loads of mm. different like female-centric movies that put men in in the happening place as well. Yeah, no, don't get me wrong, there is, know? but... The Bechdel test and all is, is, is you know, it's not as as uh, widely utilised as it should be in the script-writing circles mm. and with stuff like... Uh, That's the Bechdel test is the one where you can replace a woman with a lamp, is that it? <laughs> no, it's like the two women can't have a conversation. Oh, there's, there's another one where... It's about a man or yeah, towards Yeah, there's, an, there's another one as well where you can replace any female lead in the film with a lamp, but it doesn't change it. I think, th- like, you could have replaced the, the wife in this with a lamp yeah, and yeah. it wouldn't have changed. She could have yeah. been on the phone or it could have been, yeah. she could have been dead and he was talking to a picture and it would have had the same yeah. emotional impact. Yeah. But I think that, like, it was the movie wasn't about that. That no. it was a great plot point. It was a great character uh, uh, accelerator for uh, Joe Hallenbeck. But it wasn't important. And you know what? Not every fucking movie has to be, lads. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't... You don't have to cater for everybody. If you're fucking catering for everybody, every movie is going to be, like, nine hours long. You're going to be making sure that everybody gets all the stuff. You're going to be watching the fucking court case about the cunt who put your one's head under the water. Like, yeah, I just wanted them to get a few slaps. I know, there's Gary. a few slaps like, that much to ask. There's, there's a lot of people getting butthurt about scenes in movies these days. And you're like, oh, my God, you can't show that. And you're like, fuck off, bro. It's a fucking movie. Like if you do, if you, uh, you get butt hurt because that thing 
like tickles some kind of weird peccadillo inside of you a peccadillo of justice and you're like oh that's a thing i particularly don't like specifically because of a very personal and unique experience that i've had in my life and i'm offended particularly by that thing specifically you're kind of going like yeah but it's only you man only you've thought about it for that much like fucking chill out like it's just a movie and it's a totally inconsequential part of the movie you're taking it as if it's supposed to mean way more or way less than it's supposed to so I think that thing was not it was not about the girl I think it was about no, the I environment just, I just think it know? typified things in the film yeah I don't think it was I don't think the movie was very gynocentric but I don't think it was meant to be it's a fucking boys shoot em up movie and the women are there to provide like a, a, an emotional anchor and then uh, but I don't even think they do in the film they almost the woman the, 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 Sarah Sarah Hallenbeck absolutely does and then Darian not only does she provide like a, a barometer of respect that Joe has for himself and from his family but it also shows uh, you know a strong young character that's following in the footsteps of her dad through like re- begrudging uh, respect like begrudging um, admiration for his tenacity and his strength like she fucking comes into a she comes into a like a basically like a bad guy's lair at 13 <laughs> hides a gun that she stole from her dad's office inside of a puppet walks into a situation where her dad and uh, where, where joe and jimmy were about to get shot and buried in the fucking forest at, at, at severe risk to her own life having no previous experience and hands her dad a gun and goes use the puppet use the puppet and he puts his hand in the puppet realizes there's a gun and then shoots everybody brilliant like she is one of the strongest female characters one of the strongest characters in the whole film even though she got a little small piece and she's a 13 year old girl man yeah. Like what's what's wrong with that? What's wrong with her being the strongest character? The wife was already painted as a fucking bitch because she was cheating on him with his best friend. She already started a massively, like in in a massively negative aspect. Anyway, it's not saying all women do or cheat on you. It's like yeah. this woman in this movie cheated on Joe because Joe was a bit of a dick and didn't spend enough time with her. Like I think you're. I think I think you're. Put, like it's a fucking 1991 like it's a it's a bruce willis action movie it's not yeah you know a, an adam curtis like documentary or something, <laughs> you know but um so for for if you were to take one reason why we do this on white press play one reason why you should watch this movie uh like a, i think it, like i said earlier it's a template for action movies it's yeah. written the way action movies probably it's probably it, all the cliches are there so if you can if you're writing an action movie you can take these cliches and then play with them a bit and then you can create something really really unique i'd be i think if you were to use it as a template and then play off of that template so i think in that sense it's really good i think this uh, my one reason why would be that it it doesn't adhere to any other kind of movie rules even though it does have some uh, manipulation of the tropes in other action Mm. movies um like uh, a story is character and characters repeat there's only a certain amount of different types of people um but these guys the way and i described earlier on the way their characters start from almost rock bottom and then they go a little bit further and you get to experience that with them yeah you get to watch them hit the rock bottom instead of already being at rock bottom like joe was shit and then he's seen his wife cheating on him and and his best best friend friend died and then jimmy was pretty shit and then he has like his girlfriend die and now people are after him to kill him yeah like how that goes from like that lowest note to complete redemption legitimately without like uh, um artificial 
interaction or artificial like there's no MacGuffins or deus ex machinas that come down and no things that just come down and save the day everything is is naturally progressing and it, it all feels real natural and very satisfying so i think mm-hmm. if you want a satisfying action movie that's funny yeah. and a little bit dark then definitely this is the one i would to watch. still i would still advise die hard first you're completely wrong on oh no no yeah. we're, we're maybe we put a poll out to the people after they watch this one go watch die hard as well and i'm going to put a poll out on twitter to see, see uh, which is, which who, is who prefers what. And I know Die Hard is probably going to win. Put a uh, poll on Facebook and let people choose their favourite action movie. Yeah, let's see. We'll see. Die Hard versus Last Boy Scout. So that's it for this time on White Press Play. Uh, thanks very much, Gary, for joining us this thanks. time. Uh, don't forget to uh, head over to Gary's film yeah, screening. So, the, uh, so on the 4th of September in... Dunleary, the Royal Marine Hotel, the UCFF.ie is where you can get tickets. So um, UCFF.ie.ie and it's in the students program. They've got different programs at mine. It's a student program on Sunday the 4th. Cool. And then on Wednesday the 31st of August, of August yeah. I'll be in the Little Cinema Galway and I'll do a little Q&A intro thing for that as well. Cool. And have you got a Twitter that people can go and follow you on? Uh, are you just on Facebook? Just, You're just on Facebook. Yeah, just, Gary White, yeah, comedian. Yeah. Just, just Gary I don't. I don't really do the social media stuff. Okay, cool. I'm fucking terrible. Well, what happens if people want to... Uh, have a big row with you about Die Hard <laughs> <laughs> I'll just yeah. give out my number we'll put, we'll put a link in the in the description of the show yeah. below um, so thanks very much Gary for joining us uh, you will be back again hopefully to uh, discuss you have your 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 own collegiate magnum opus uh, talking about the James Bond film so hopefully you'll join us yeah. quite soon again for that uh, for anybody that uh, heard anything in the show that we, you think is wrong you want to you want to uh, you know discuss it more you want to commend us you want to tell us to fuck off you want to uh, say that Die Hard is better than Last Boy Scout which you can, definitely is you, hey you can email <laughs> us on info at whitepressplay.com and we'll be able to get uh, replies back to you ASAP if you have any requests or anything else you want to you want to say to us as well info at whitepressplay.com we're on Facebook Twitter uh, Pinterest uh, where we have a subreddit r slash whitepressplay so if you have any of those things that you want to talk about there and uh, right now if you're listening to it the website is not up but in the future uh, for hello people in the future we're sorry for what we've done uh, it's www.ypressplay.com and you'll have all of the reviews the videos uh, the little bits and bobs interviews and uh, obviously these these shows and all the videos for our live streams that we do on Twitch and YouTube so twitch.tv slash whypressplay for watching some PS4 and some Steam gaming action uh, there'll be game reviews we're playing some Mega Drive and SNES classic games uh, and some of those uh, came some of the old uh, arcade games and seeing what all the fuss is all about trying to see if there's anything that you missed from uh, your old 90s gaming days uh, we play Nintendo 64 stuff as well PlayStation 1 and reviewing all of those old games and we also do uh, live watch along shows like we said earlier on on Discord and we put them out on uh, YouTube and on Twitch uh, we also have a Discord server so if you're not on Discord uh, it's a chat and and audio uh, communications app I'd say we all, we all hang out there all the movie nerds hang out there and talk about movies and stuff like that and the show wouldn't be possible without Patreons. patreon.com slash whitepressplay we're all having a great time over there the guys are giving us a, a couple of dollars and keeping the lights on over here and if you want to support the show and get behind the scenes videos and stuff like that uh, extra little bits and early releases of shows there's loads of little perks so you can go on to patreon.com slash whitepressplay and all the perks are there for you um, thanks very much for listening uh, much appreciated do call around again and uh, Gary uh, th- thanks a million man we'll see you back for the next one thanks a million see you then bye